HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. Did you know that Wisconsin wins more national and international cheese awards than any other state or country? Learn more about Wisconsin's cheese-making history at wisconsincheese.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported podcast network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. This year, we're celebrating 10 years of food radio. For the past decade, we've been taking you behind the scenes of farms, restaurants, breweries, school cafeterias, and more. It's been 10 years, and we're just getting started. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. All right, folks, uh, this is it. It's uh, What Doesn't Kill You Food Industry Insights. I am your host, Katie Kiefer, sitting here behind the mark, Mike in the studio for once in my life. Uh, we're going to be talking about some new pork processing rules, which have basically been the wet dream of the pork producing industry for, oh, about 25 years. Uh, and to join me today to talk about these new rules is uh, my old pal, Amanda Hitt, with whom we have discussed this program several times over the last decade, which is so funny. Amanda is the director of uh, the Food Integrity Campaign, which is part of the Government Accountability Project. She oversees the FIC operations and is responsible for ensuring that the Food Integrity Campaign fulfills its mission of enhancing food integrity by facilitating truth-telling. In other words, she's a whistleblower or she works with whistleblowers. To do this, Amanda works closely with partners partner organizations, clients, legislators, and the media to alter the balance of power between the food industry and consumers. She acts to protect the rights of those who speak out against the practices that compromise food integrity and empower whistleblowers and food activists. So you need to follow Amanda Hitt, H-I-T-T. Amanda, welcome back to the show. It's great to hear your voice, girlfriend. Oh, I know. It's so exciting to hear from you too, Katie. Thank you very much. Uh, Hey, look, what about 10 years, huh? What about 10, 10 years, years? doing this stuff. Yeah. Both of us. I'm, 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 I'm just like, wow. And for 10 years, we've been talking about the same thing. And, <laughs> I know. And, that's and what's said, so great. And so what's so great. Yeah. But no, but we've been talking, oh, it's never, you know, let's stop this from happening. Let's stop this from happening. You know, yeah. let's do our best. 
And here it is. And here it is. It happened. The pork uh, pork industry has finally achieved its uh, ultimate goal, which is uh, they started not lobbying for this. When was the first hemp uh, program put into place? It was like 1997, right? Well, yeah, yeah. So I mean, and it was it's poultry and it's pork. They they both have right. pilot programs in, in poultry and pork. But it, about 1997 is when pork started. Yes, and hemp stands for uh, hazard. Uh, well. Hazard Analysis and, and Critical Control Point, HACCP-based inspection models project, um, except that this time around they're not calling it that. They're calling it NSIS. Is there some significant difference? Well, I guess it, it sounds more like the television show, and so I guess it, it's more impl- <laughs> and people are just NCI. No, I, I, you know, they, they changed the name because they um, – they, they want to sort of roll it out as something new. You know, they right. don't want to say, oh, this is something old we've been doing that's been failing for 20 years. Right. They want to, they want to say, oh, no, this is NSIS, right? And, it's, yeah. and, and also, I think, I think we, you know, we've talked about this before. So HIMP, which is, was the name of H-I-M-P, was the name of the pilot program. Right. But part of that acronym was an acronym. So it was, it was, I think if you've got an acronym within an acronym, you know you've got a, a conspiracy on, on, on the doorstep, right? Like, you know something's going wrong. Yes. Like, you de- I think you could safely say that maximum confusion and obfuscation <laughs> is the watchword of the day. It I, might be. Oh, Jesus. So, so what is that? Let's see. So this started in 1997. Let's just quickly remind people of the point of this new program, uh, once called HIMP, now called NSIS. Like this was designed, supposedly this is to modernize and to make safer our pork supply. Um, but in fact, what does it really mean? It's in, in a nutshell, it's privatized. It's just privatization. Oh, um, good way of it's putting just it. A, it's just a new way of uh, modernize is a new way to say privatize. And that's what you're doing. You're seeing the, um, the role of, of the federally funded meat inspector yeah, that role is now being given to the plant itself. That's so right. the workers at the plants are going to now be doing doing this the inspection activities of of the people that put the stamp on your meat, right? So that USDA inspected that's Ooh. now that's now going to be just imagine that uh, low wage um, immigrant worker undocumented being exploited stamp of approval. Yeah, like, that's what it's going to be. That's what it's going to be. So that and that's where we're headed. That's, and uh, this is the first step in that. That it is. So now I, I actually went so far as to not only read the press release, which of course mm. I got, uh, but also to um, to then read the actual final rule. So um, let me get my glasses off here so I can actually see this because I'm reading it off of my phone, of course. In the final rule, here was a very telling uh, paragraph in the USDA press release. In this is a quote now. In the final rule, FSIS. That's the Food Safety and Inspection Service amends the regulations to require all slime slaughter slaughter establishments to develop written sanitary dressing plans and implement microbial sampling to monitor process control for enteric pathogens that can cause foodborne illness. And the final rule, listen to this, folks, also allows market hog establishments to choose if they will operate under NSIS or continue to operate under traditional inspection. So why, if this is such a fantastic new model, modernizing and improving food safety, why would you allow plants to opt out of that? Yeah, right. if it's, it's, the, it's, the ne- it's the next best thing and the only best way, then there would be no option, right? I mean, right. This is what we'd be doing. This is, I mean, I, you know, I just want to catch you on something that you said that I think a lot of people, and especially your listeners, maybe they just heard you say this, but they didn't realize that you were actually 
saying like, there's a there's a term of art in what you just said. There was a oh. word in there that's kind of you know oh whatever market 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 hogs like hogs for market right? ah, this is commerce hogs. Right. Not, but it's not what you think. A market hog is a type of pig. It's a healthy under two year old pig that is reasonably disease free by virtue of age and like not being injured and not being. Um, uh, you know, a poor, like, given, uh, dosed up with ractopamine, so it's it's a downer pig. You know, right. ractopamine is a hormone that they give to fat, well, muscle them up. Yep. Um, but, but it, so it's, a market hog is an actual thing, and nobody, nobody's talking about this, and I don't know why, but meat inspectors know this. If, if the animal is a very healthy pig to start with, yeah. then, then the system can work pretty much clean and free, because if the... There's nothing to inspect because it's a healthy pig. I see. Everything should be fine. But here's the deal. That's not, that's not the pigs that are running through these, um, these high-speed slaughter facilities, these new inspection rules, right? That's not what's happening. The healthy pigs are gone. They're running sick and elderly pigs and, and pigs that shouldn't be even allowed in the system. So oh. think about that. And nobody's talking about this, and I, no. and I don't know why. They don't actually have enough pigs to feed this high-speed slaughter system. You're kidding, What are they really? going to do? No. And I, I don't know why this – like, I, I, you know, I've talked to lots of media. You're, not, you're the only one who listens, Katie. <laughs> if it wasn't for, wasn't for you and your listeners, I would be done. This yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. that's not but true. No, no. no, but, you know, the, the big guys don't want to hear that. No. They don't want – they they want the select you know oh it's gross the gross the ooh the ah the, uh, you know yeah. but they don't want the the little nitty gritty which is this one little word could yep. make or break this system if we flood this system with sick pigs Katie it won't work yeah it right it won't work right? well I, I mean I'm so, anticipating quite an uptick in uh, foodborne illnesses it'll be interesting to see what happens yeah um, but I mean you know why, why are we like I'm almost I'm like, God, why am I doing this job anymore? Like, yeah. I'm not going to wait for the next big death, you know? <laughs> yeah, true. To, to, I mean, but that's what they're asking. That's what the USDA is saying. Well, we'll deal with this when, you know, somebody's child dies. You know, like, this, that's ridiculous. Like, you're going to yeah. keep on giving these industry bonuses away and throwing these bones to the industry and making them happy. And, and they're doing it, and it's very intentional. I mean, one, you've got, got Trump, and he hates regulation, right? Right. So, so this is a nice time to run crazy with this rule. But I want to add something else. And this wasn't, this wasn't in the news too much, but it's very real, too. You, you follow this stuff. You know what's yeah. going on in China with the, with the virus I and do. all the pigs being yeah. culled and all the killings. Major swine fever, yeah. So that's what, yeah. Well, guess what? Who's going to fill that deficit? The U.S., right? Yes, because we, we are. We, we burst open this regulatory thing. We deregulated our uh, pigs. So we dump all our pigs into the market, filling that void that was left there with China. China's the number one consumer. Yeah, of pork. but aren't the tariffs, so, or did they cut a deal on pork? I think they did just I, cut a deal on the pork did. thing. Yes, but, right. Yeah, it's all working out perfect. Yep, yep. yep. So, if you're anybody who's listening and said, why do I care, like, was, was, was held back for since 1997, because it was a really stupid idea. Yeah. Well, all the, all the, everything kind of aligned, I mean, in a way that I could never have predicted. Yeah. And here we are on the phone, 
you know, after that, you know, you and I talking about this for so long, so yeah. finally saying, here it is. Here it is. They finally got it. They finally, you know, like I keep calling it the pork producer's wet dream. I mean, oh my God, we can throw any old animal we want in there because nobody's going to be inspecting it. So here's another little piece of um, verbiage from the, either the press release okay. or from the, um, or from the actual rule. And that is to quote, remove unnecessary regulatory obstacles to industry innovation by revoking maximum line speeds and allowing establishments flexibility to reconfigure evisceration lines. Okay, that really, that scared That's the funny, crap right? out of me. That's good. Yeah, right. I, I think like, I think a, a, a regulatory agency saying they don't want to stifle innovation by increasing line speeds yeah. sounds insane. It's insane. Right? Like, like, what are you doing? What is the, how is that going to make you more innovative to speed up something wrong so that it goes at a more <laughs> deadly pace? Like, I, I consider myself pretty innovative. Like, oh, if I, you know, I'm having trouble. Re- I'm short, right? You've seen me. In, you know yeah. I am. Uh, yes. so I'm a short person. You know, you know it. You're like, oh, my, this is a short lady. I'm innovative because I can't reach things, right? right. I come up with creative ideas. I'm not innovative because I'm being chased by a Doberman. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. not my most innovative moment. And yeah. that's basically what these racing down these lines at, you know, these breakneck speeds. Yes. So that's not innovative. That's not. And I guess they're saying, well, uh, if they put out a bunch of diseased animals, they're going to have to get innovative with how well they're checking for it. Well, how well they're I checking for it and what kind of baths they're dipping them in. You Be know, right. like what kind of chemicals are they going to be yeah, using yeah. to kill those pathogens? That's well, what I we, think about, yeah. you know. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Because I mean, to again, change the speed, change the speed, and also to change up the rules around evisceration, like taking out the contents of the animal's, you know, internal cavities, including uh, their intestines, which could yep. break and spill into, you know, I mean, it's just, I mean, I love meat, but this really makes me think twice about where I'm going to be eating meat next. You know what I mean? It's well, just disgusting. Really know, nasty. That, that, that's the thing too. Uh, I don't. I mean, I. I. You know, you. You. You told people, the folks listening, who I am, right? So I'm. A, yes. I'm a whistleblower person. I. I get inside. I'm. A, I'm an attorney, and I. I help people tell the truth who who are locked up in these institutions, not mental, but bad as that. Yeah, plants and <laughs> slaughter plants and stuff. I help them tell the truth, right? And, right. And here's what they tell me every time, and this is what everybody needs to hear. I would never eat that stuff. Like that's what they're telling me. Yes. They would not eat the products that come out of their own plants. And and they're the inspectors. So. I've heard that from USDA inspectors as well. Uh, isn't that something? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had a chicken inspector stay at my B and B last summer, and she was like, uh, "I'm just saying to you, don't I'd be never, eating that." Yeah, don't <laughs> eat it. Oh yeah, I, I've Jeez. never met. I've never. I, I I've never met a, a hog inspector who doesn't eat meat, uh, eat pork, right? Right. But I've never met one that ate it from any kind of USDA facility. They'll get them custom slaughtered. Right. But they won't eat pork. So it's not like they have some weird, oh, it's gross to see it slaughtered. They're not weird like that. They're, they're weird like, not weird at all. They're, they're, they're scared. It's called self-preservation. I think it's yeah. very sensible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not, it's not grossed out by this process. It's, it's right. grossed out by the by by the by the failure of the, the process. failure of the process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. So here's another scary development, which you alluded to already, which is that the uh, plant personnel will be in charge of sorting out the sick, diseased, or otherwise, again, I'm quoting, otherwise mm-hmm. unfit animals from the production line. And this apparently is going to give USDA inspectors more time to get on with something. But what exactly? <laughs> the rule allows for t- up to two offline verification inspectors per line, per shift, and reduces the number of online inspectors to a maximum of three per line. 
per shift. That means, and people should understand how many hogs are moving through these plants per day. We're not talking a couple of hundred. We're talking in the thousands of hogs. You know, maybe 10,000 hogs are being processed a day in any given major hog facility. With the consolidation of the industry, that's pretty much how it goes. And so the idea that only one or two or maybe three guys per shift is looking at 5,000 hogs going down the road, that's terrifying. What are they supposed to be doing? They're supposed to be swabbing for antimicrobials or something like that, right? Right. Well, that's, and that's, that's maybe part of the problem because I'm, I'm, my understanding from working with these meat inspectors, both poultry and pork, we're talking mm-hmm. about pork today, but both t- tell me this. Right. There's no accuracy in that testing. There's, there's, oh, wow. There's, you know, Ooh, I haven't that, heard that. So, so yeah, so, not a, so you're saying, well, let's not rely on those organoleptic, you know, the the, 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 the the derogatory way the agency calls it, they call it poke and sniff, right? Yeah. So just the looking and, you know, like, they're like, oh, yeah, that's old-fashioned. We're going to, we're going to, instead, we're going to, you know, think about, you know, my, you know antimicrobials and, and pathogen testing, which sounds good. It does. But if they're not even doing that correctly or doing it in such a way that it's not accurately reading the amount of pathogen that's actually going through the line, then it's hardly worth investing in that new technology. Yes. But because the agency refuses to invest in its own personnel and listen to them when they have complaints about this and instead rely solely on the plant's self-evaluation of, of how safe they are, this continues to happen. And here again, here we are today, like in, in this perfect storm, relying on a, a scientific modern way that maybe isn't working. You know, yeah. that itself is failing. So there's really not a lot of joy in this picture. There's not a big smiley face, no emoticon <laughs> at the end of this. It's, it's really, now, you know, now we wait and see. And, and, and you said something there. You said, well, you know, these, these industries are, you know, collapsed into themselves and they've, they've become, you know, these giant, you know, monstrosities, these giant mega companies. And, yeah. they're, and they're, they're slaughtering tens of thousands of, I mean, these 10,000 animals a day and stuff. If one animal passes a pathogen in that stream, it, they call it the comet effect. So if it, if it even though the blast comes from one animal, yeah. let's say a bad pathogen blast, that comet has a tail, right? And that tail will go down the line and spread. So you're looking at many, many thousands of pounds of contamination from maybe just one sick animal. Right. So that's, it's not like it's just contained. And the other thing is, so much of our meat is mixed together. Not as much as, as you know, beef and hamburger, because like, how many how many cows went into your hamburger? It's like, right, well, right. anybody's guess, right? But but you I mean so, certainly sausage, and there's certainly you know other meats and, and sure, ground beef, ground pork, yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah. So you're, it it really is unfortunately a, a, a matter of time before people get sick. I do want to say one other little thing about that. Sick yes, thing. indeed. Uh, so an inspector said this to me, and I'm going to say it to you because I think it it really drives it home. The, the pathogens that, you know, plague pork are not as virulent or as, as deadly as, let's say, E. coli, you know, 0157 in beef, right? People right. know that it's the killer. And, but my inspector friend says to me, she said, um, you know, pork won't kill, kill you, but it will make you wish you had died. <laughs> because the, the illness is so extreme. Like, it's really? a very severe, you can get really, really sick from pork. You, but it's just, it doesn't have that profile of 0157 right. where people say, oh, yeah, you're dead, you're dead, you know, you're done. You know, because it does, it, it, it did, everybody knows Jack in the Box, right? That, yes. that horrible, uh, that horrible outbreak. So, 
But it, it will, like, think about that. It will make you want to die or wish you had died. And I'm sure so with bad. someone who's immunocompromised, the elderly oh, yeah. or a child, it probably like could that. kill you very Absolutely. easily. I mean, yeah. it, you know, like, why not? Um, I'm going to, you know what, let's take a short break uh, and have a quick sponsor drop, and then we'll come back and talk a little bit more about the line speeds um, with Amanda Hit from the uh, Government Accountability Project. Stay tuned. Since the mid-1800s, before Wisconsin was even recognized as a state, its resident cheesemakers have been putting the art into artisan cheese. When early settlers from Switzerland, Germany, and Italy came to Wisconsin, they brought their cheesemaking expertise with them. They chose Wisconsin because the terroir reminded them of the homes they'd left behind in Northern Europe. The soil and water of Wisconsin is nurtured by the goodness of glacial sediment and those elements lend themselves to the very best milk. Today, Wisconsin's cheesemakers draw from their rich European heritage and cheesemaking traditions and combine them with incredible innovation to produce half of the nation's specialty cheese. Wisconsin cheesemakers never stop experimenting, trying to improve, and dreaming of your next favorite cheese that has yet to be imagined. Learn more about Wisconsin's cheesemaking history at wisconsincheese.com. Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. My name is Linda Liu, and I'm the host of Feast Meets West, the show that celebrates Asian culture through the lens of food here on HRN. Listen to episodes like The Evolution of Chinatown with Numwa Tea Parlors, Wilson Tang, and New York Times' Elaine Chen. Catch our ongoing series, Women in Asian Food, and spotlight episodes with our heroes like Anita Lowe. You can find Feast Meets West wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. All righty then, we're back. This is What Doesn't Kill You, Food Industry Insights. Uh, my name is Katie Kiefer. I'm talking to Amanda Hitt from the Government Accountability Project. Uh, she is the director of the Food Integrity Campaign. She and I have been buddies for about 10 years now, ever since Timothy Pacharat uh, uh, told me about you for his book, because uh, you consulted with him for his book, Every 12 Seconds which was a fantastic read about the meat industry. Um, I, it was, took me a while to remember who it was that, that introduced me to you, Amanda, but that it was Tim Pacherat. Um, anyway, to go on, uh, we were talking about uh, the, um, the NSIS, formerly known as HIMP, um, and they, they're saying that it's going to lead to lower levels of various forms of uh, pathogens, such as salmonella. Uh, but the other thing that they are expecting in the new inspection system is that it will improve animal welfare and compliance with the, um, what is HMSA? I was thinking that was... It's the it's a, it's a Humane Methods of Slaughter Act. Ah, uh, Humane Methods of Slaughter Act. Yes, that's what it is, yes. of course. Uh, because more FSIS resources will be available to verify the humane and the handling of animals. Well, I mean, why did they even bother to toss that bone in there? Because you know uh, that guess. ain't happening. They, 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 it actually, I do know at people in the animal welfare community who were actually thrown for that bone. They actually chased it. So <laughs> what, they, what they did, and, I, and I, they were like, oh, my gosh, I can't even believe I believe that. You know? yeah. But um, what, the, what the agency is doing there is they're saying, well, 
now we'll have more time to do, it's called anti-mortem, so before death, um, observations of the animals, right. um, and, and make sure that they're healthy, and also uh, sort of tracking them through the, through, the, through the process, because, you know, we'll have a mobile inspector. Uh-huh. But what they don't, which, which would, be tr- would be more uh, animal welfare protection, if they didn't increase the line. But right. since they increased the line, that means many thousands more animals are not going to be inspected. Exactly. There's going to be more. So it's like, it, it's, it, I think that's when, when you see stuff like that, that's when you get, it's hard, it's hard, I mean, I'm always skeptical of the agency, but I, I try very hard not to be cynical. Uh-huh. But when you see stuff like that, you're like, well, isn't that obviously a way to It's a lie? contradiction in terms. I mean, I mean, yeah, there's going to be more time to do it, but there's going to be many times more animals, so... Right. How could you possibly see that as a win for animals? Like right. You can't. But a lot of animal, not a lot, a couple, like in my world, like were like kind of they called and asked about it. So. Oh really? Um, yeah. Well, an, if you can throw somebody uh, and like you think about these major, these big organizations like the Humane Society or whatever. Yeah. They have to allocate their lobbying time to to you know what they can. Yes. Of and course. if a regulation like this isn't going to be a threat to their farm animal program, then they'll move on. Uh-huh. And sometimes a little bone like this is enough to throw someone off. And that's when you realize your, your, your regulators, they're not working for you. They're not, they, unfortunately. They're, they're working for the, the very, the very uh, institutions that they're charged to regulate. That's right. right. I mean, it's truly the fox that. guarding the hen house. It's, it's a ludicrous idea. I mean, the, and, and plus, they've, and they've already said in an earlier paragraph that they're reducing the number of inspectors per shift. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's, like you're, you're adding thousands of animals to the line, and then, and then you're only you're cut, you're dialing back how many <laughs> actual USDA inspectors yeah. are in the, in the house. So, I mean, you know, that, that's just crazy. And then one more thing about the line speed, um, which uh, is an important thing to recognize in terms of worker safety. When you increase the line speed, you know, you have uh, an, un- an exponential increase in uh, injuries that are both accidental, like you've just cut yourself with a mm-hmm. knife or, or mm-hmm. run your fan through the meat grinder, or you have injuries that are from repetitive motions. Um, and then, of course, there was Ted Genoway's famous uh, chapter in his book, The Chain, about the workers who were blowing the pig's brains out of their skulls and they developed yeah. these horrible neurological diseases. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, okay, so where is that? Where is the worker safety issue here? I mean, where is that standing? Do you have any, well, do you have any, by the way, do you have any um, statistics about that? I didn't have oh, a I chance mean, I, to I look for that. Back in the, I mean, back back when we were doing, we had a, a, a WTF Hormel campaign and we had this infographic and I think I was like, there's 30,000 repetitious motions yeah. on a line worker will make during his shift. Or her shift. Yeah. So think of those thirty thousand cuts or chops, basically. Yeah. So if you're if you're if you're not even considering like chopping off your hand as a which is real. Yes. <laughs> um, you are definitely looking at the 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 muscular skeletal, you know, long term injury. Long term injuries. Yes. Those are those you really can't you can't say speeding up the lines won't affect that because. That's what's happening, right? You're doing more of those repetitions, right? And I don't think you have to be, you know, an exercise physiologist to know that that's 
that's going to cause a problem. And it's usually in the form of, you know, most, most people are aware, it's carpal tunnel. But carpal right. tunnel can be so much worse than you typing the wrong way on your, your MacBook. The, the issue can be much more, I mean, much, much more exaggerated than I think the average person would think. Oh, sure. Uh, the risk of someone with carpal tunnel can swell to the size of their forearm so that you can't actually see the difference. You can't see where that wrist indents because right. the forearm just melts into that huge swollen wrist. Right. I, and, I, and I have had meat inspectors say that they've seen workers with wrists like that just pushing through because they're afraid to use the company doctors. Of because, course. you know, if, you, if you're the one that caused a workplace injury, then nobody gets free pizza on Tuesday. Uh-huh. You know, there's Oof. so many reasons that you wouldn't come forward with that kind of injury, but there's no reason why you wouldn't get that kind of injury. So you have to know that that's the expendable workforce that we're dealing with here. Well, that's why uh, we have no immigration reform, right? It's because yeah, well, essentially these are the people, it's the undocumented aliens who work in these slaughter plants. And we saw that in Missouri when they had that big ice raid. Was it Missouri oh, or Mississippi? Something? Excuse me, Mississippi. Mississippi, Mississippi the yeah. Koch brothers. And they, you know, rounded up 700 people. Oh, what? These people are undocumented? We didn't know that. But that's why they want them, because they can get rid of them as soon as they have an injury or they make a fuss about the fact that they can't go off the line to take a pee or have yep. something to eat or, you know, I mean, it's just, it's mind-blowing. I mean, it's literally, uh, you know, uh, modern-day slavery, uh, oh, which we just turn a blind eye to, and it's, you know, and this is why we don't have meaningful immigration reform in this country, because all the way from farm to plate, you have undocumented workers being exploited uh, so that we can all enjoy cheap food. And that's really, that's the long and the short of the story, right? Well, that's it. Yeah, it, it, we're not paying the real price, but someone's paying the price for food. Uh, <laughs> most consumers don't pay the price for food, but somewhere along the line, someone has to pay. And if, if it's not a someone, it's, 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 the, it's, the, it's the environment. Because none of this goes without consequence. Because to feed these giant high-speed slaughterhouses, you have to feed them with giant pooping pigs. Yes. And those giant pooping pigs poop into big, giant poop lagoons. And guess what? Because of our, the <laughs> state of our world, giant hurricanes come and spread those lagoons all over, oh, yeah. killing people's water and houses. And it just goes on and on. It's, yeah. a, it's not... It's not a. It's not something you're doing without a consequence, and it might be something that you could stop or reduce or just be aware of that could make a, a lot of difference in the way our world is working. And a lot of people are afraid to talk about it that way. But I mean, I, I, here's what happened to me. I, I used to be real open. You know me. I, I, yeah. I'm real open to things. But I visited a woman whose home, her family home gets sprayed with pig feces to, so, to the let go, to drain those, those lagoons I was yes. talking about earlier. They have to spray them out in fields. Yeah. They spray this. For fertilizer, spray quote, unquote. It's quote, yeah. unquote, but it's not. For, it's, too, it's too high in phosphorus. So they spray it, and it sprays all over this woman's home. Oof. You know, it sprays all over her car. It makes her house stink. And she's a together lady. She's an older woman. Her name's Renee Miller. And she told her story about how hard she tried to stop this spraying from happening, and she, she went to the police, and then guess who owns the spraying farm, the farm that's doing the spraying? The sheriff of the town. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's like it doesn't get much, like the story just gets worse and worse. Yeah. And she said, you know, she, I said, well, Renee, is there anything, like, if you could tell anyone 
you know, how to help. Like, get, and not that you haven't helped yourself, because God knows she has. Yeah. She said, the one thing I'd ask people to do, just don't support this industry. Right. Just don't do it. And so, you know what? Now, if I, if I get a mic, I'm saying it. Like, you can't be a part of something like this. It's, it, it's so rotten. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's not like buying clothes from Walmart. And not that that's maybe a good thing either, but people, well, it was made in sweatshops. But, but it, it doesn't stop at a sweatshop. It, it hits every facet of our life when that is we support true. industries like this. Yes. It, it's absolutely, it actually, it even echoes into racism. Oh, so totally. even social injustice, like you're feeding into racist paradigms when you're eating, when you're eating these, you know, factory farms, chickens and pigs. Chickens, yeah. Yeah. Because it's they awful. locate those plants in low income areas, right? Well, I mean, North that. Carolina is like yeah, North Carolina, right? Perfect so example Miller, of that. Yeah. Renee Miller, the woman I was, t- she's an, she's a black woman. She lives in a historically black neighborhood. They bought a black area of North, very rural, very, yes. very rural, right? The, the, the land around her is cheap. Well, that's where they spray the poop. Yes, of course. I, I mean, this woman's family graveyard is in a poop field. Oh, God. So she and her family went to bury, you know, their, their loved ones. Yeah. They turned the sprayers on on the funeral. <gasps> Oh, so if you want to support that, yeah. like yeah. you go ahead. But for yeah. me, as, as for me, like my days of being kind of like, oh, even and on it, you know, I hear everybody out. Like, I, I just, I just, man, this is just, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't hear. I, I don't know if there's an, another side to that. I just don't know if there is. If, well, there, the good you know, news is, is that Murphy Brown was sued and they lost. Yeah. Uh, and the and the plaintiffs won. People like yep. uh, Renee Renette. Miller did yep. win. Now, did. Uh, whether that uh, whether that the award that they're going to that they were supposed to get is going to remain as robust as it was is questionable. I'm sure that the uh, it'll be many many years, if ever, that these people see a single dime. But at least uh, it made a precedent for other communities to be able to sue against us. I've said for years, ever since I wrote that meat book, I have said for years that companies should be responsible with the contract farmers that they are working with. They should be responsible for disposing of waste. It should not be should a be. carrying expense for a contract farmer who is making pennies on the dollar to raise these animals. I mean, that just should absolutely become the responsibility of the of the industry to install appropriate waste uh, disposal techniques in every single contract farm that they work with. I mean, there is just no excuse for what's going on. Whether they got to truck that stuff out in a honey wagon and do whatever they have to do with it, put it in a giant, you know, anaerobic digester 50 miles away i don't care but that should not be sprayed on communities you know of of any stripe uh and it's having a terrible impact on our water tables i did a whole series on water and about this because of the two hurricanes last year in north carolina but but amanda we have to go back to because we were almost out of time i know i know i know you know what though you know more than anybody like or or most anybody well more than more than the average bear yeah yeah it's true it's not you're, you're, if you pull at it, it's, a, it's like, it's that Weezer That's song right. about pulling the sweater. You yes. know, pull, you know, if you pull that string, the whole sweater falls apart. Yep. And, yep. Uh, and, and I don't know, I don't know if we can ever talk about it the same again. It's always going to be, you know, the interconnectedness is just too, it's too apparent after a while. But anyway, let's back to him. 
Back to him. Okay, so let I have one more question, and then let's talk about your 10-year anniversary and oh, yeah. our 10-year anniversary just for the yeah, last yeah. couple of minutes. So <clears throat> the all-important point here, really, uh, when it all comes down to it, is how much money are they going to save by doing this? How much is this going to be worth to the industry as a whole to be able to run those lines faster, to be able to do away with a lot of that inspection, to be able to pass a lot of meat off as wholesome when it really should not be in the line? How much do you think that's going to uh, add to Why? the bottom line? Line of those big uh, pork producing companies, I, the same like Smithfield. I heard, yeah, like it's three point seven eight million. That was an actual number uh, that they I, they had in savings. But but it's going to increase production by twelve and a half percent. That's that that very that twelve and a half percent is exactly the wedge that China's leaving out, right? So ah. that's that's why that becomes important. You right, know? right. And it's again, like you said, money. it's like the thread connect the sweater. You just yeah. pull that thread. Oh my God. Well, that is, that's an op- eye opener. So let's talk about the government accountability project and the um, gala that you guys are hosting in November. What's the date? Well, it's November 15th. It's ac- so the government accountability uh, project is the parent whistleblower company right. organization. But um, we're celebrating the food integrity campaign, integrity right? campaign, which is celebrating 10 years, just like you. Yes. Um, so, yeah, so that's November 15th at American Uni- University Washington uh, College of Law. There are co-sponsors of, of that um, at event. Um, and, um, and we're looking to have some really exciting uh, speakers and panelists, including if you're interested in today's topic, uh, that will be a topic of discussion with um, leaders from the worker rights movement, the animal welfare movement, and sustainable agriculture uh, oh, movement. So they'll be there. Uh, contract rowing, if that's kind of your thing, we'll have whistleblower contract rowers and the people that have advocated for them for years. Those are the folks that are uh, having – they're just these horrible predatory loans and um, oh, yeah. it, it, that kind of thing. Um, but it's also just a it's – a, it's like, wow. <laughs> this is a good guys, you know, and uh, yeah. we're going to also have some for the more lawyerly types. If there's any lawyers out there, we're going to talk a little bit about the barriers to truth telling. So uh. a lot of people, uh, obviously, whistleblowing, knowing your whistleblower rights is a big deal, but still people are afraid of like veggie libel and defamation. And how real are those when you want to come forward with, you know, a, a, a disclosure of waste, fraud and abuse? Like right. How how real are those things? So that's um, uh, just a great bunch of speakers and, and panelists. Um, you can uh, that um, that landing page, I believe, is up, um, and it's uh, you can find us at foodwhistleblower.org, um, and you'll see a link, or you can do backslash FIC10, Food Integrity Campaign 10, FIC10, uh-huh. and you will uh, you'll learn more about the other events that we're also hosting during that week. And you can read their blog and learn more about uh, the programs and uh, platforms that they that the whole the whole sh- shebang is working on. In addition to the Food Integrity Campaign, but all the other great programs that you guys are are engaged with. That's that's also available on your website, but um, whistleblower.org, that's the thing. Um, Amanda, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, this will not be the last time we speak, <laughs> uh, I'm sure, uh, but I will see you on November 15th. Uh, I'll be down great. there to, 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 to womp and play with you. So um, thanks again, honey, for joining me. And folks, if you're interested in our Heritage Radio Gala, and that goes for you too, Amanda, if you want to come up to the city, uh, our 10th year anniversary is Monday. 
Monday, November 11th, and that's taking place at the Palm House and Yellow Magnolia Cafe in the Brooklyn Botanical Gardens. If you've never been there, it's worth the price of admission just to see the glass house. Um, really, really beautiful, uh, or I should say the Palm House. Um, and that's always a great time. We have great food and um, raffles and auctions. It's a fundraiser for us. So um, thanks so much for listening today, and thanks uh, to my sponsor. And um, I'll see you next week with another great show. Thanks to my engineer, Amanda, as well. And especially my guest, Amanda Hitt. Thank you, folks. So long for now. What Doesn't Kill You is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.